And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, good morning, church family. Are you so very thankful to be in God's house this morning? Amen. Well, wow, what an incredible crowd we have today. So this is awesome. Uh, We are actually in week two of our series called Holy Spirit. And this is one thing that Ryan and I, we study ourselves and we want to share with you because I don't know about you, but throughout the course of my life, I got saved when I was five and now I'm five. And so for the last couple decades, um, I have uh, heard different teachings on the Holy Spirit. And it's important for us to know who he is and what role he plays, not just in our life, but also in scripture. And so for the next couple weeks, so we're going to be a four-week series, we want to dive into God's Word and really hear what His Word says about the Holy Spirit. So this is what we've asked of you. Just give us a blank page. You know, we've, we are a Pentecostal church. And so we have seen great moves of the Holy Spirit. We've also seen some things that are not of the Holy Spirit. Some of you may come from more of a traditional or fundamental background, more of a a Baptist background, where you were told growing up that the Holy Spirit, he is a person, he is a part of the Trinity, but but what he did back in the book of Acts, he doesn't do anymore. And what we want to do is we don't want to take the extreme of one side and the extreme of the other side and live in either of those extremes. What we want to do as we dive into the word of God about the Holy Spirit is this. What does his word say about who he is and how he operates in our lives? So blank page. Now we're talking today about Pentecost. (laughs) So don't leave. Can we say our prayer together this morning? This is our congregational prayer. And as we dive into this, I want you to say it nice and loud with all your heart. Let's say it together. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now, church, today we're talking about Pentecost. And Pentecost or Pentecostal, that word has a a cultural meaning. What we see in America today and even around the world is a denomination. It's a description of what kind of church that we have. But do you know in the Bible, it's not a description. It's an actual event. So Pentecostal is not an adjective that describes what kind of Christian you are. It is a noun. It's a moment and an event that we see happen in scripture and we can see happen in our everyday life. So if you open up your Bibles, listen, we're going to do a lot of flipping back and forth. I'm going to give you a lot of Old Testament. We're going to do go New Testament today. But let's start in Acts chapter 2. Because this is where we want to start. We want to start with the scriptural reference of Pentecost in the New Testament. Now, Pentecost happened in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, On the day 
of Pentecost. All the believers were meeting together in one place. This isn't a part of my notes, but let me tell you, friends, unity in the body of Christ is super important for Pentecost, that we are all meeting together in one place, in, in one accord, right? In unity, in harmony together, we as believers meeting together. Like I said, it's not a descriptive word to describe the style of services that we have, but it's an event that happened on the Jewish calendar and still happens today. So what we're going to do is we are going to look through scripture because in order to understand Pentecost, the act that happened in Acts chapter two, what happened in Acts chapter two, in order for us to understand that, we've got to go back and look at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there are three feasts or three events that we're going to look at that happens that correlates into the New Testament. Now listen, I might be moving a little fast and that's okay. You can re-listen to this over and over again or just read through the Bible. It's great. Jesus spoke to us in Matthew chapter 5 and he said this to us. Don't misunderstand why I have come. This is Jesus. He says, don't Misunderstand, the reason why Jesus came, it was not to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, he said, I came to accomplish their purposes. In order for us to understand that we no longer live underneath the law, the old covenant, we don't live underneath that anymore, but we don't forget about it. One thing that I have learned, uh, th- I'm, I'm reading again through, through the word of God this year. And, and one of the things that I learned last year as I read through it, the more that I read through the Bible, the more I see the character of God. It's wonderful to read through scripture and find out our place, how much he loves us, the blessings that he has for us. But it's like that last song that we just sang. As we read through the word of God and we see who God is, we understand that Old Testament and New Testament is a revelation of who our God is. And so as we look at this, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to put it away. I came to fulfill it. And so we see that we no longer live underneath the law. But Jesus came to prove who he was through the law. So there are three major holidays that we're going to look at today. Okay, ready? Here's the first one. The first one is the Feast of Passover. Now, we pretty much all know this because of, you know, that movie, Prince of Egypt, right? The little cartoon, great music, right? And and we got to see all of, of what happened there with Moses. So a little bit of the story is... The Israelites were underneath the Egyptian rule of slavery for 400 years. And they cried out for God to deliver them. And finally, God brings a a deliverer, and his name is Moses. And so Moses goes before Pharaoh and says, you've got to let the people of God go. You've got to let the Israelites go. And plague after plague after plague. Remember the movie, The Frogs, The the Water Turns Into Blood. You know, so we see all of these plagues happening. And finally, 
the final plague is this. Moses tells Pharaoh, if you don't let the people of God go, an angel of death will come and pass over all of Egypt. Every household will be touched and the firstborn son of every home will be killed. And God tells through Moses, tells the Israelites, if you believe what I say is true, do this. Find a lamb, a spotless lamb. Take its blood and and put it on the doorpost so that way when the angel of death comes, it will pass over your home. What we see in scripture is this. The Passover lamb, you know, have you ever heard that the devil is in the details? Have you ever heard that saying? Can I tell you, God is in every detail of our lives. He, he has a plan for every, he doesn't do anything haphazardly. He has a plan for every part of our life. The Passover lamb was sacrificed in the Old Testament at 9 a.m., the lamb was then cooked. And so and so the Lord was like, we're, we're going to eat the lamb. So it was cooked in the oven around three o'clock. And through this, through the blood on the doorpost, through the eating of the sacrificial lamb, it is a covering of our sin. Now remember, Matthew five seventeen, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. Do you know that Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday, on Passover, around 9 a.m.? And that he died and was put in the tomb around 3. But he does better. And he does more than what our traditions can do. He came to say, no, no, I won't cover your sins. I will remove your sins. As far as the east is from the west, he is our Passover lamb. Paul tells us that. Isn't that good? Church, it's so good. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. You know, I, I, I love Good Friday. I love Easter. I love Easter Sunday morning, but I love Good Friday. There's something about Good Friday that reminds me of my sin and what Jesus did for me. You see, a couple weeks ago, Ryan talked about salvation. We, and we do say a prayer to receive salvation. Listen, it's a gift we cannot pay for. And we're going to read that in scripture in just a minute. But it's so much more than just a prayer. It's accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's the acknowledgement of understanding what he did for us on the cross and how our life is forever changed from that moment on. And he is our Passover lamb. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation, listen, is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We understand that the feast of Passover, that we, we celebrate Passover, we celebrate Good Friday, and that 
every single year as believers. And it started in the Old Testament when the people of Israel were delivered from Egypt. The second feast, I I love that God wants us to feast. Anybody else? The second feast, the second holiday, was called the Feast of Pentecost. All right, here we go. The word penta means five, and cost means times ten. So the actual meaning of the word Pentecost, super scary, super weird, is 50. So we're not Pentecostal people, we're 50-day people. We are 50-day people. Any 50-day people in the house, we are 50-day people. It takes all the scary out of it. Anybody that was raised that doesn't know anything about Pentecost, we're just 50-day people. Because this is what it meant in the Old Testament. 50 days after the Passover, when the Israelites were released from Egypt, they met together at the bottom of this huge mountain, and Moses goes up the mountain, and what happens? A cloud comes down, right, on top of that mountain. Loud sound, bunch of fire. Moses goes up, and God writes on two, he writes on two tablets his law. How incredible is that? But unfortunately, Moses comes down from the mountain. The people of Israel are like, Where, where's Moses? Where's the God that delivered us? Nobody's here. They talk to Aaron. He's the high priest. They're like, you got to do something. We can't find Moses. We're here all alone. We're going to die. And so Aaron takes all the gold, puts it together, makes this calf, and says, here's the God that delivered you from Egypt. Hmm. Here's the Now if we we can look down at the Israelites, but don't we do that sometimes? Here's the God that delivered you from your sin. Come and worship it. When Moses came down, first he had an outburst of anger cuz he threw the the tablets down that God had written on. And all of the sudden, 3,000 people died like that. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Friends, Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 50 days after he died on the cross for our sins, they celebrated the Feast of Pentecost. And Acts 2 says, on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully, when it had fully began, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended in an upper room with a loud sound and with fire. And instead of writing his word on tablets, God gave us the precious Holy Spirit to write in our heart his word and who he is. 
See, Scripture says that the only way we can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is through the Holy Spirit. It's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The only way we can understand the Word of God is through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. On that day of Pentecost, us 50-day people, we realize this, that when we accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit came inside and with fire wrote on our hearts something that no man could erase. And on that day, instead of 3,000 people dying, 3,000 people got saved. God is a God of order. If we open his word, friend, please hear me, we will begin to trust him and trust him in this life like we never have before. Acts 1 says this, and this is Jesus, that Jesus is getting ready um, to ascend to heaven. And he says, that, um, verse 3 starts with, during the 40 days after he suffered Jesus and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This was very important for Jesus as he was going to heaven and leaving his disciples and his apostles on this earth He knew that we could not do it alone. God promised, God the Father promised us a gift. And Jesus had received that Holy Spirit. Remember when the dove descended on him? Jesus received the Holy Spirit and he knew it was that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the one that lives inside of us. Jesus knew we needed this. We needed this gift from God. If you jump down to verse 8, this is still in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive, this is Jesus, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And why do we need this power? It's because the next portion says, and you will be my witnesses. Underline that word, witness. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Us 50-day people, us Pentecost people, right? The event that happened, listen, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to take the, the, um, the kind of scary out of it. Because all this is, is the empowerment to do the work that God's called us to do. And it's to be a witness So for us, Jesus says in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world, what does that mean for us today? We are to be a witness in Tallahassee, in Florida, in America, and across the world. See, what Jesus said is Jerusalem, the little city, Judea, the other province, Samaria, the bigger province, and to the ends of the earth. He's telling us today, Tallahassee, Florida... America and to the ends of the earth. The reason why we have the Holy Spirit is to empower us to be a witness to those around us 
to those we come in contact with and to shout it out to every edge and every place on this earth to be a witness. Satan has done a great job trying to package the Holy Spirit into something else. To divide us by denomination. Listen, Ryan and I love denomination. We believe in accountability. We are a part of the Assemblies of God. If you want to know more about the Assemblies of God, on our website, we have our fundamental truths. So we, we are underneath a covering. We believe in accountability and a covering and being underneath something that is biblically sound. But the enemy wants us to be divided. He wants us separated. Well, it's the people over here that believe this and the people over here that believe that. We got to get into the word of God where we become people who believe that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not something weird, but it is something for us to become witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done in our life. Pentecost, it is the power to make a difference. It is the power to make a difference. All right, so we listened to these first two, right? These first two feasts. I'm going to share with you the, la- the third feast, and it's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And we're just going to kind of put a book into this. So the first feast, Passover, salvation. Second feast, Pentecost, it's the empowerment. Here's the third feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. In the Old Testament, a tabernacle was a movable home. Okay, so after they left Egypt, came to the wilderness, right, and they, and they just wandered because they were supposed to just go to the promised land, but instead they spent 40 years wandering around the wilderness. And they lived in these homes that were movable because they were wanderers. They moved to this place and set up, and then they moved to this place and they set up. They wandered around in, in a temporary, and so here's what tabernacles were in the Old Testament. They were just temporary huts. These places were eventually brought across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. So these were the, the ones that were going to be li- lifted up and brought into the Promised Land. So that's what God promised Israel. And when they got there, they celebrated because it was the season of harvest. So this feast happened during the harvest. Are y'all ready? Because we have the sweet salvation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we also have the fulfillment of the tabernacle, which says this, Jesus is coming again. The second fulfillment of the tabernacles is that we are living on this temporary earth. Paul, uh, Peter tells us that we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of another. That we are, will finally be brought into our final home, which is heaven. That's our promised land. And lastly, that there will be a great harvest of people in the last days. As I was reading through this this week, 
I just got emotional. Because can I tell you, the Lord is all about the people. The reason why he does what he does, and he moves the way he moves, and he empowers us, is for his people. It's all about the people. And sometimes people got problems. We want it to be about anything else but the people. Anybody have sometimes people, in, even in your own home, that sometimes you wish it wasn't about them? But God is about the people. The fulfillment of this feast is that one day there will be a great harvest. And friends, we are living in those days. Can I say that again? We are living in those days. They have done studies. 2000, the year 2000, they marked it. They, they, they saw the people that accepted Christ before 2000. Do you know in the last 21 years, more people have accepted Christ in the last 21 years than in all of the 2000 years before? There is a revival. Now, we don't see it here. We're an Americanized, Christianized nation. We don't see it here. Like, we see a church on every corner. Do you know in China, there's not a church on every corner? In Russia, Tanya, you go to the, to, to the, um, Bulgaria and, and you see the people that are hungry. For God, there is a revival happening. Americans, let's catch up. Let's catch up. Let's go out into this community, into Tallahassee, into Florida, into the United States of America and throughout the world, and let's be empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit of God to be witnesses to our neighbors of who Jesus is so that the great revival will hit this nation. I was thinking about it. Sometimes aren't we the people that in our neighborhood we complain about how everybody else's houses look instead of going out and knocking on their door and meeting them and seeing if, you know, maybe they're a single mom that can't do their lawn. I was thinking about that today of who are we in our job, right? Are we the, are we the person that everybody just kind of walks around our little cubicle or do they come to us because there's something different about us? See, there was something different about Jesus. There was something that when he walked by, when he walked by and he looked at the fishermen and he said, drop your nets, come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. They dropped everything. There was something different about Jesus. Is there something different about us? Will we receive the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead? to empower us in our schools. Friends, I want my children in love with Jesus. I want their friends baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want revivals in our schools and with our teachers. I want to see our universities that once started teaching the principles of God to return back to what they were teaching before. 
I want to see from these pulpits and from places in churches the love of Christ being shared and words of encouragement that you can make it another day. The Feast of Tabernacles had another name and it was called the Feast of Trumpets. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. I listen. I was I was raised. My dad was a Pentecostal preacher. I was raised in a in a in a Pentecostal home, and he sent me to Baptist schools. He thought he 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 re, he wanted me to be balanced. He said nobody can teach the Bible like the Baptists, but nobody can have an experience like the Pentecostals. So here you go, baby girl. You got them both. We have to continue to preach this, that Jesus is coming again. And with a loud shout and the sound of the trumpet, all those that have gone before will come up and we ourselves will be raised in the air and we will meet our Lord and Savior and be with him forever. God is about the details he, he allowed a feast for salvation. He allowed a feast for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And he allowed a feast of the second coming of Christ. As we move back to the Pentecost, and this is the reason why we wanted to talk about this, and you have to know the, the whole order of this, is because this. The day of Pentecost was an actual event that was celebrated continuously, but there was a purpose behind it. And here is the purpose. This is what Jesus wants us to know about what the Holy Spirit can do for us. The first thing is this. The Holy Spirit empowers, okay? He empowers us. He empowers us first to live righteously, I said that before about living our life and accepting Christ as our Savior. It, it really is more than a prayer. Listen, we don't work it. We don't receive it because of what we've done. It's a belief. It's a faith, right? But with that comes the empowerment to live a different life. Romans 8, verse 9, and, and Paul, listen, Paul struggled with this. And, and Ryan and I will, will share consistently, it's not about a perfect life. We are not supposed to live, we, we can't live a perfect life. We live in an unholy world. But friends, we serve a holy God. So there has to be something different. And the Holy Spirit is that person that empowers us to live righteously. And Paul tells us this in Romans 8. 
He says, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in you, we are controlled. We are spirit led people. We are led by the Holy Spirit in our life. There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. You'll hear me say it consistently. There's a sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we, we take the Holy Spirit and when he tells us to, to move maybe a little bit differently or, or don't, don't act that way, don't think that way, don't watch that, don't speak that again, don't, don't, don't go there, don't, that we feel like it's, it's just the Lord, you know, bashing us down and that's not him. It's the sweet conviction. It's just the guide. He guides us into a path of righteousness and the Holy Spirit empowers us to live righteously. The second thing is this, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live supernaturally. Jesus lived a supernatural life. He experienced, he, he, he shared the fruit of the spirit that lived inside of him. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Paul says against, there is no law. Against these things, there is no law. It is the fruit of what the Holy Spirit produces inside of us. It's a supernatural life. And how do I know that? Because left to my own humanity, I do not walk in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Listen, when we moved back to Florida, I forgot the road rage that I had. Florida drivers, we are aggressive. There's... There's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that needs to project out. If we've got a little bumper, a fish on our bumper, we need to, we need to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It empowers us to live different, supernaturally, and not just in the fruit, but in the gifts, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 12 tells us this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a supernatural life. And third, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live on mission. Jesus said he came not to do his will, but the will of his Father in heaven. And I was so convicted of this this morning, the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. How could I believe that my life should be anything else other than what Jesus's was? See, I'm here to live this life not for my own will, but what does my Father in heaven, what has he designed for me to do? Jesus said he was here to accomplish the work of the Father. And that work was perfect, and it was complete, and it was for you, and it was for me, for us to live the same life, 
to live a life on mission, on purpose. And the purpose, friends, is the people. It's the people. God is all about the family. Listen, there's going to be fights in families. There's going to be arguments. We have been home for less than 24 hours. And in the Kramer home, there was already a little, a couple little fights. We got it all fixed before I stepped up here. But I'm just saying, there was a couple little fights, less than 24 hours. No family is perfect. No church is perfect. But can I tell you this morning, I was so thankful that our church is happy and healthy, that we walk through these doors for the only agenda and the only purpose to glorify our Father, to exalt our Lord and Savior, and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Listen, families fight. It's okay. But I'm so very thankful that we are on mission. I don't know about you, but I needed this this week. I needed to have my mind refocused on what Pentecost is all about. Why am I a 50-day person? Because I want to be empowered by his spirit to accomplish his work in this earth. Can we stand together this morning? As I was praying about how we would close this out today, I, I know they're going to sing a, an, another song. And, but in my heart, I was just asking the Lord to refocus. Refocus my, my agenda back to his that I would begin to pray again like Jesus taught us to. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This week as we push the plate away, as we take the next seven days of fasting, this is my prayer. That you will have a Pentecost moment whether it be in your home, in your living room, in your bedroom, that as you push the plate away and as you sacrifice a little bit to receive a lot from God, that he will meet you where you're at. My prayer is this, that we will be empowered this week by the Holy Spirit so that way we can walk this life the way he's designed us to, to accomplish his purposes and his plans. I don't know about you, but I want a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit. I'm craving him, church. I'm craving his presence. I am craving what he has for me, what he has for my family, what he has for this church the revival he has for this city the the changes that he has for this nation i am craving it church because i have realized that we have tried to do life our way we have tried to do church our way without the empowerment of the holy spirit i'm ready for his way can you lift your hands before the lord this morning 
just as an act of surrender. And Holy Spirit, we ask that this week, as we push the plate away, that we would remember what our Savior did for us, our Passover lamb, and that we will find a place and we will quiet ourselves where you can come and meet us that the revelation of your Holy Spirit would pour out on us. We would see your word in a way we've never seen your word before. That we would hear your voice, Father, in a way we have never heard your voice before. And that we would go out on mission to reach the lost. That our purpose would be the people that you love and you died for. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.